0: Welcome to a special episode of 10 Questions called Another 10 Questions, which gives me a chance to have guests return to the podcast. And our first Another 10 Questions guest is Dave O'Neill, who was the first guest on the show back in 2015, 64 episodes ago. Before we get to Dave, we have some community announcements. The first is that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is reopening for November and December for Victorian audiences only. So get along to that if you're in Victoria. And the second thing is my book 12 summers which is the story of my life running parallel to the fortunes of the australian cricket team has just been printed and you can pre-order that now by visiting 12summers.org that's 12 as in 12 summers.org now back to my old mate dave o'neill he's a veteran comic radio host screenwriter and definitely the person who gets name checked the most on this podcast You'll know him from everything, and by everything I mean Spicks and Specks, Agony, Randling, The Nugget, and more recently cameos in Utopia and Fisk. He was also the head writer on Totally Full Frontal, and with the screenwriter Marco Toole, who's referred to on this interview as The Tool Man, he wrote the feature films Take Away and You and Your Stupid Mate. I'll put the new questions up on Twitter, but I start another 10 questions with, how do you think your fellow workers would describe you?
1: Uh, Easy going is often the most common thing said about me, easy to work with. And, you know, mm. my wife has said, and I've had this said to me before, in horse racing, there is a thing, I'm not into horse racing, but I've heard this, if a thoroughbred is a bit testy, they put a donkey in with the thoroughbred to calm it down. And my wife said, you're the donkey. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I've worked with a lot of thoroughbreds. When you think back, like when I, started, I worked with Eric Banner for a long time. On Full Frontal, writing sketches and his sketch show. I also worked with Sean McCaliff. Um Then I moved to working with Hughie and Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely the donkey in that team. And um, and also, I've still remained to this day, up until only six months ago, working with Hughie on his TV show. I'm definitely the donkey. And then, of course, now with uh, Glenn Robbins, I've done a lot. You know, I started working with him on Full Frontal and like the Jamone show. And, of course, um, Kitty. Too doing a podcast with Kitty Flanagan, so I'm the donkey. Yeah, so, you know what, it's not such a bad thing, is
0: it? To and, be the donkey, and it's also kind of, I mean, I don't know a heck of a lot about the internal machinations of the donkey's brain, but um, it shows a very even-headed disposition to be able to do that because yeah, working with stars, and I've I've done my share of writing for stars. Yeah. It's 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 part being a psychologist. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 and 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 with um. And with Husey, for example, I mean, sure, he used to be my support act for a very short time, and then, he be- then I became his support act. But you've got to realise he's the star. And so he, he's the one. Yeah, he, it's his show. The show's named after him. So it's not about you trying to get your head on screen and trying to put your shit ideas forward, you know, you, you know, which is, we've talked about that before, about how people are trying to get their, um, you know, the people that keep pushing their own barrow, you can't mm. be that person in that kind of role. you just got to be more a support role. So yeah, easygoing is often said about me. And I am, I am fairly easygoing, to be honest.
0: I, I, I mean, I am pretty easygoing. Do you have any rage within sometimes or do you just let it go?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if you have rage within when you're working with someone, you just try and not work with them again. So mm. you just go, well, especially in the stand-up world where you go and do gigs. The good thing about doing stand-up is that it's short-term engagement with the audience And with the other comedians, you may never Mm. see some of these comedians. It's like doing a film. It's so intense for three months or whatever. You know, I mean, you know, I did the nugget 20 years ago. I haven't seen
0: some of those people for 20 years,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it seems so intense at that point, doesn't it? You know what I mean? So
0: for sure. Yeah. And then you're out. You just, as as you will say, mate, uh, you just get in the car with your packet of chips. Drive. And that's yeah. it. And Drive home
1: and go. Well, what was that all about? I've never seen them again ever.
0: <laughs> Question two: What was the most unhelpful feedback you've received?
1: Yeah, I I think in stand up, I remember very early on another comic who's no longer doing comedy said, "Don't don't um, hang shit on yourself. That's not good. Don't 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 mock yourself." But I've always mocked myself uh, for being overweight. Uh, you know, I say I look like Katie Lang. Um, and all these are truths because you say it before the, the audience are probably thinking it anyway. And so if you're really fat, of, of course you're going to say a fat joke. And this guy's like, no, nah, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, I love the comics that, you know, uh, hang shit on themselves. I love that kind of, uh, mm. I don't like the ones that are posturing and sort of lecturing the mm. audience. I don't like that. And, um, I mean, some people do it very well. But I think if you bring it back to yourself, I think it's fine to mock yourself. Why not?
0: You know, when I used to read Clive James when I was a kid and, and oh, his yeah. self-deprecation, that was the first time I heard the, the word self-deprecation. Yes, you know? he was
1: the king. He was so mm. he was so good at it, Clive James. He was good. but Letterman was the same, you know, they, a lot of yes. those guys are very funny, the ones that, that do it, you know. Yeah. Um, and you watch I I mean the last comic I saw live was Denise Scott. And um, she makes fun of herself, which is funny. It's just funny, you know.
0: It also almost says just on a kind of uh, uh, the the theory of it is like yeah. I think you you uh, implied this before. It's like I'll make the jokes about myself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, you you can do it if you want, but I'll do it before you. <laughs> mm. And better, yeah, yeah, better. Hopefully. <laughs> Question three: What is the failure you most cherish? Oh
1: God, there's been so many. Adam, uh, was it was it Randling that I won with Anthony Morgan? But then, that, <laughs> but that wasn't my failure. I didn't. I was just on that show, you know. Um, I'd say takeaway the movie. So I wrote that with uh, Marco Tool, the Tool Man, and uh, it was so exciting uh, getting a movie up because. We were working on Full Frontal at the time as riders. And we took the day off the afternoon to go and see the castle at the cinema in the city with some of the other riders. And we just loved the castle because of course it reminded us of our childhoods. Mm-hmm. And it, also great performances, a great script, etc. One of the greats, one of the greats. And um, we just thought we could write a movie like that. You know what I mean? Because up until that point, you'd watch movies and go, I oh, don't, yeah, well, could I? You know, you watch the Blues Brothers and go, that's so far removed from my world. I love it. But I just, or Gregory's Girl was another, the Scottish mm. movie was another one of my favourites. But when you saw a movie set in your own town about people that like, you know, like like Eric was in it and stuff like that. And so we wrote Takeaway, which was about for people that missed it. And Adam, there were a lot who missed it, but it's <laughs> on stand at the moment. You can get your eyes on it. It's about two fish and chip chops next door to each other. Uh, one's run by Vince Colosso, one's run by Stephen Curry, and they hate each other. But then, the twist, a Burgess franchise, which is like McDonald's or Hungry Jack's, opens up next door, so the two guys have to unite to fight the evil empire. And riding it, uh, getting it up, um, uh, we didn't get up. Mark Gracie, the director, producer guy, got it up. And it was so much fun, just, you know, um, seeing it all come together, and people get excited about it. And we filmed it and it was so exciting. They were writing articles about it in the paper and, uh, (laughs) and then it came out and didn't
0: do very well. So, uh, well, mate, uh, it, who, knows, who knows why these things happen? We've all, wow. uh, you know, there are many theories on it, but I think but I know. I read who. that you read the script, yeah, right. you read the script. It was a great you script. Audition. So I auditioned for it, I auditioned for it, didn't get the role, but I, uh, whatever the role was, a tow truck driver. Uh, I think you were the tow tow- driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but it was a great script, it really. It's was. a
1: you know what, I think Jim Shambury and you know, I never quote a critic, but he nailed it when he said, This is one of the funniest Australian movies in the last 10 years. Except for the ending. So, oh. so, well, the ending is what stuffed it up. So for people that don't know, and there's going to be a lot of people, the ending, the tow truck driver, which could have been you, Adam, he, yeah. he breaks into the burgies at night and he hooks up his tow truck and he tows the shop away down the street.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but, fantastic. yeah, but it
1: wasn't fantastic. And I remember, wow. I, I remember when um, Eric... not
0: executed. well.
1: No, no. Because, wow. the because I mean, it just was It's yeah, a ridiculous yeah. thing that we thought like in cartoony style, it'll be really quick and funny and hilarious. But the only way they could do it was like in slow motion. And so, and I remember uh, Eric Banner read the script and he said, you can't do that. How are you going to do that? I'm like, oh, I don't worry about it, mate, but he was right. You couldn't do it. And so it just, it just, the ending just slowed the whole thing down. And I remember I was doing radio at that stage on Nova and the all the people at Village were really excited about it until they started, you know, and I, and she was taking uh, Vince and Steven around for interviews. And I said to her outside the studio, how's it going? How's the film being received? She goes, oh, yeah, great, great, great. Yeah, people don't really like the ending. <laughs> oh. And that's when I went, oh, okay, we're in trouble here.
0: Mm, you get that hype from the people, uh, from the network, or that could be... Yeah you know, distributors or whatever before the before the film or the TV show yeah. comes out and you're fucking loved and you're it's yeah. amazing and you literally buy into it and then yeah. the day after, they do not yeah. want to take your call.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I remember saying to Stephen Curry, because of course he was in The Nugget and Takeaway and The Nugget was a bit more successful than Takeaway. It wasn't a huge hit, but it, it seemed to linger longer. And mm-hmm. certainly people will talk to me about The Nugget still to this day when you go to the country and stuff, people mention it. And he said, I've just learned to enjoy enjoy the process of filming and stuff, and the end result is he goes, "It's not up to me. That's not up to me. It's, you put it out there. And you see how it goes." And that, you know what? That's a good attitude. Enjoy the process. I
0: mean, I if it's a struggle to get the show made, then all I've got to hang my hat on is the, is the reception. <laughs> so
1: well, this is the thing. As someone said, you spend five years getting a movie off. They give it a week in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. That's right.
0: it's gone. It's gone. I do like the tour man's quote. is like one person to write a script. It takes one person to write a script and a hundred people to fuck it up. No, yeah, no.
1: They, you write a script and they employ 150 people to fuck it up, <laughs> which is so, I mean, you can't blame people, but when you tell people you're doing a comedy, everyone from the makeup person to the wardrobe guy, to the guy driving the unit truck puts their jokes in. Yeah. And if you don't have a very strong person at the helm and actors are terrible for this too. Yes. Some of them, not all of them, they will turn up with their funny walk. Or they'll turn up with a funny wig on and Mm -hmm. they'll go, nah, but we're doing a comedy. You're like, but the secret to comedy, if you look at like the castle, for example, they're playing it for real. They're not playing it like wacky.
0: 100%. I mean, if you tell, if you, if an actor comes in with a funny walk or a funny accent, (laughs) and then you have to tell them that they can't do it. That is like taking chocolate away from a three-year-old. That is, it's it's swords at dawn.
1: Yeah. I interviewed the the Farrelly brothers, uh, Peter Farrelly, Dumb and Dumber, one of my favourite movies. Yes. And he said to me, because we did another movie, we did You and Your Stupid Mate, right? That's right. Me and Toolman, which was possibly even more poorly received. than. (laughs) (laughs) But I turn up on the first day of screening and there's like a little scooter on the set. And I said to the props guy, you've left your scooter on the set. And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's the actor's. They're using a scooter to get around on. They, they worked it up in rehearsals. Oh, God. And I said to the director, We didn't write a scooter yeah. in the script. Why have they got a scooter? The whole crux of the script is they hang around with a Somali taxi driver because he drives them around everywhere because they yeah. don't have any transport. Now they've got a scooter, kind of <laughs> the gates. And I told Peter Farrelly the story off air, and he goes, Mate, that's why I direct because I don't want a scooter.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Because
1: cause of course you know those guys wrote and it was the same with John Hughes they both wrote movies that someone else directed but only one or two and they saw them being fucked up and so mm. they began directing
0: and Peter Farrelly
1: said I never wanted to, to direct I was just I just didn't want people to ruin my script.
0: Yeah so that, yeah yeah that that's yeah. that's right I mean if you you either get a director that you're totally simpatico with or you direct yourself um yeah, and yeah, Hard yes. as we know. Um, if you could go back five years, Dave, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Oh, I would. I would. Uh, I've just been listening to your uh, uh, episode with uh, David Thornton. We oh, yes. talked about, which is very good friend of yours. Good, great guy Thorno, Love Thorno, Fellow uh, cats supporter. Mm-hmm. He's from the G Town. My wife's from the G Town, Geelong, G Banger, G Um, <laughs> and um, he. I would. I would. I would. I would tell myself to spend more time with my dad because he passed away. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm croaking up now, but um, it's, uh, I mean, I, I actually spent a lot of time with him anyway, um, but I would have still, I still had, uh, I mean, I was very lucky because I'm what, I'm 56 and he was 85 when he died. It was only in July and um, I had still had things I wanted to ask him and talk about, Yeah, but uh, you know, these things happen. So I've just been to see mum. So mum's in a nursing home now. So my whole life has just turned upside down. Because I was still in the family home where I grew up. Like six months ago, they were still in the house uh, where I grew up. So it was a great stability for me. So I would, I would encourage anyone with elderly parents to spend time with them because mm. they're not going to be around for long. And before that, my mother-in-law died, who used to live with us a bit better, who I was close to too, my biggest fan, Adam. She would come to my gigs and laugh her head off. Um, and mm. so, um, yeah, I would say that. I would just say that because, yeah, it's um, if you've got elderly parents, you're very lucky. Like after hearing Thorno talk, his dad died when he was a teenager. Yeah. That's pretty full on.
0: Yeah. So your, your dad, uh, he he would go to your gigs as well. I'd see him there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he was a, he was a teacher at TAFE. Yes. What did he teach?
1: Uh, fitting and turning. He was, he was in the Air Force. He was in Vietnam, oh, Kev, wow. which, which he liked. He liked Vietnam. Uh, what was his,
0: what was his, uh, well, what was his rank? Uh, no, it's just a warrant officer. Oh, so a warrant the, officer. Yeah, yeah. So
1: it's the highest rank you can go before you become an officer.
0: Uh-huh.
1: True to Kev's style, he never wanted to be an officer or a boss. So mm-hmm. even at the TAFE course, he got asked, do you want to be the boss of the – he's like, no, 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 I want to be the boss,
0: which is good advice. That's great. <laughs> Don't swear. be the boss. Smart, isn't um, it?
1: yeah 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 so yeah he was a yeah he, yeah it was very you know very um how would you describe it? but yeah he was you know i mean obviously got my sense of humor from him mum. but he, he was very supportive and would come to gigs and i would make jokes about him
0: <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he laughed i remember him laughing. yeah
1: he laughed and it, i'd take dad's here tonight and he'd stand up he'd love the attention don't worry about that he loved it and did he yeah. give you feedback no not really no 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 i just did to like i would make jokes about him being in the war and like you know he's he also had a collection of, of Nazi war medals, which it was a great. Wow. I find that hilarious that he's got. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, he's got a lot of the good guys too. He just doesn't have Nazi medals. <laughs> and, and, and we would joke about it, me and my brothers, we found it hilarious that he had these. And even now, cleaning up the house, because you know we've got to go through that process where we clean up the house, uh. he's got a he's got a drawer and it's got scouts and Nazis. <laughs> so even i would make jokes about that and i'd say to dad you know you know i'm just joking dad he goes yeah yeah no i don't care i don't care
0: wow (laughs) it does sound like you're similar yeah he
1: was easygoing Kev, and he would crack it very occasionally like Ah. yell at at you but not often at all yeah
0: i remember you telling me a story he'd give you the strap didn't he yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah,
0: but only very rarely and only when we just (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) Well, how many how many kids in the, in the uh, family? Uh, there's four boys. There's four, four boys. All oh, right. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. Uh, so, Dad was just, you know, that's why he loved going to the footy
1: and didn't take any of us on the Sunday afternoon because it, I think it was a bit of a release for yeah, him. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like go and yell and scream and try and start fights with Hawthorne support <laughs> and, then, and then come home. So, yeah, I would definitely say to yeah, anyone, my younger, five years ago, yeah, try and spend more time with Dad. Because it was quite sunny. at had a heart attack. And then we yeah. went to the hospital for a few, about five weeks and just died. And, just, you know, anyway.
0: and it doesn't hit you until a little bit later that you you, you wish you had those conversations. Like, my dad uh, is, is alive, but um, he doesn't remember much now. So, you know, yeah. there are certain things he remembers, but um, he doesn't remember uh you know if I want to fact check something that happened in yeah. my childhood you can't really do that so mum was the keeper of all those yeah. that information and she she died when you know when I was in my 20s um yeah that's young too that i think that's really young but anyway yeah it's just a it's kind of a uh a shock and it never never quite leaves you um no what do the
1: what do the greeks say you don't you don't get over it you get used to it
0: they know that um, question five is what about your job keeps you awake at night?
1: Yeah. You know what? I sleep pretty well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> i more, i more stay awake thinking, uh, worrying about the kids. Sometimes my mm. son's doing year 12. It's been a, cause I'm in Melbourne it has been a really shit couple of years for the students. Yes. Um, I've been tutoring him. I just dropped him off. He's having his first exam today and I've been full on tutoring for like two or three weeks. And it's like, I mean, I, I did, teaching but i did primary school i didn't even teach I mean, you know what i mean i did teaching when i was 17 to the age of 20 and finished my course and said i'm never doing that ever but i do i don't mind teaching and um and um so i've been sitting down with him going over i was telling you off air the crucible the dressmaker wow. and the lieutenant which is a really good book i've got to say by kate greenville the lieutenant yeah. which is a colonial setting the woman who wrote um secret river and just going over the themes and over and that. And so I, I worry about that sometimes about, you know, what's he going to do? You know, can, will he pass? I mean, people don't really fail year 12 these days. not like in our day. And I was telling him in my high school, a third of people failed. Yeah. It was just gar- guaranteed.
0: Hang on, no one fails now. So I- No, you got it. The teacher, look, we saw
1: the math teacher and we said, look, is there a chance that he could fail? She says, no. Nah. if he turns up to school and does the exams, it's just that the 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 way it's done the marks will just be really low and you may not get oh, yeah, into uni
0: right. yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I
1: mean so yeah. no, nothing's nothing's in that way if you want to get into medicine you still need a high school yeah yeah you know what I mean but I say to him the other day, is if you if you want to do arts you'll probably be right you know, like, <laughs> like like his mother didn't his father did. so um but um I in terms of gigs and and my work I don't really worry about it. I mean occasionally because I've been doing a lot of Zoom gigs the Zoom boom because I'm based in melbourne where we've had lockdown for two years and Mm. what happened was that all the live gigs stopped but these zoom gigs started happening and i i kind of didn't want to do them initially but then i started and now i've done over 100 of them wow and and so um and so sometimes with them like any kind of live gig you do occasionally have one that's a bit difficult or a bit weird and um you you worry about uh uh, you know offending
0: someone yeah 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 so
1: for example um (laughs) in my great zoom act i have a bat puppet that i bring out which i just the kids had a bat puppet and because i'm just seeing at home in lockdown although it might be funny to bring out you know when i do a group of real estate agents i I bring out my i go oh look i've got a bat puppet and uh oh it's woo and we call him wooey because he was from wuhan (laughs) and he uh that he was seeking refuge with me. He was like Julian Assange because he's been accused of spreading this virus. And look, for 99% of the people, people piss themselves. And, you know, I I would take the bat on radio. And when I do Mick Maloney's show, he's like, is is Wooey the bat there? And Wooey comes and I go, hey, everybody, it's Wooey the bat. (laughs) But then me and Kitty Flanagan were doing a Zoom gig together for a big electricity company. And she she goes, where's the bat puppet? I bring the bat up and I'm going, hey, everyone, it's Wooey the bat. And, uh, you know, he's got his standard jokes. Uh, stay positive. You know, like. <laughs> and, so, and then with Zoom gigs, often you can't hear people laughing, but they put the feedback up on the chat function. Yes. And someone put up a comment, I can't help feeling. And Kitty Flanagan's going, are you running a wet market there, Dave? And I'm like, yeah, I've got the first Australian wet market drop by. <laughs> and all this shit. And um, this comment just comes up. You know, most people are loving it. wooey hilarious. This comment comes up can't help feeling that uh, Australian Chinese employees are feeling a little bit uncomfortable at this moment with this bat puppet and all these mentions of wet markets. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. And so,
1: oh, oh, I didn't read that one out, and I just let it go. But then, like, late, later at night, I'm just lying up here going, is, is Wu the bat offensive? Yeah, is, is, yeah. My, is my bat paper an offensive?" And then, then my wife's going, I think he is a bit racist, Wooey. So I had to change Wu's narrative. He's actually from Wu and Dite, oh. which is... Um, <laughs> We say now it's from Woo and it's just, it's near it's near Ringwood. That in that interesting. So it's...
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny on.
1: because I hadn't thought of Wooey being offensive. And then the other day, I doing another Zoom gig and you have the briefing with the, the woman from HR, which is always a lot of fun. I bet. When when they bring on the HR. Oh, they're called people and culture these days. Oh, really? Yeah, it's gone from personnel to HR to people and culture,
0: uh-huh. or
1: just people. Adam, I'm 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 the head of the people department. Yeah, right. We, we, we know they just sack people, right? Yeah, and yeah. And anyway, and and uh, I said so. This is a gig for a big uh, government body that uh, were building railway lines or something. I haven't done it yet. Actually, it's coming up. And uh, and I and and the, and the woman said, hey, and "Look, Dave's here on the line. Any notes for Dave on what not to do?" And the woman said look, just please don't dress up as a bat and do a Chinese accent. I said, well, oh. I would... Now, that happened at a, at a Price Waterhouse gig. One of the people in the staff there, it was in the paper, dressed up as a bat and so did his mate and they did a double act doing Chinese accents. Oh,
0: right? Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now, that, is,
1: that is racist. Yeah, that's yeah, racist. yeah. That's kind that's of racist. racist. Yeah. <laughs> so it is funny. If you offend... Occasionally, even with Zoom gigs, and you get a complaint, um, you do lay up at night thinking about it. Oh, what's that offensive? It, you
0: know? It, what yeah, you yeah, yeah. Oh, look. But by the way, mate, you're talking to a guy who who gets off the phone after just having a one-on-one chat and, and worries that he's offended someone. So. Oh yeah, no. I don't do
1: that. I never do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: need it in writing, Adam.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: it in the in the messages. Yes, um, yes. Question six: What uh, what's an obstacle that you've had to overcome? Being a white man in show business, um, <laughs> it's been hard.
1: <laughs> Being, I, I can't really think of an obstacle. I'd say, you know, I always bang on about class. I say coming from a working class background, but even then I'm firmly middle-class now. And even then most of the people I work with are from similar backgrounds. So you can't say, oh, I was intimidated going into the writer's room on like the McAlef program, which I worked on. But they were all from very similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. you're walking in and they're all wearing top hats going, oh, I have not seen you since i a brother, <laughs> young boy. And you're sitting there in your flannel going, well, I don't really fit in with these people. And, and that never happened. And, and like, you know, I work with Glenn uh, Robbins. Uh, you know, as I've said, he, he looks like he lives on a boat. Yes. But, um, <laughs> he's from a blue collar background, which is very, you know, his brother works as a washing machine repairman. So it's, Everyone I've ever met, mainly in comedy, is from a similar background. So I've never, I've never had any obstacles. Let's be honest, I've been pretty lucky.
0: It is true because I'm one of the only kind of private school guys that. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, but there's a lot of private school
1: boys though. There's, I mean, look at like you know, Mm. you've got all the. Like working dog, you know, they're oh, all yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm an expert yeah. on what schools people went to, yes. Uh, you know, Charlie Pickering, um, there's a lot of people from Catholic schools, but a lot of them are low rent Catholic schools, you know, so mm, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, you know, ha- Hamish and Andy, private school boys, but yeah, they, yeah, they're off. I mean, you get on fire with all those people, I no problem,
0: yeah, yeah. I think yeah.
1: in comedy, the good thing about comedy is the level playing field. So, say if me or you went into law mm. because you went to Brisbane Grammar, mm-hmm. and if we were in Brisbane. Mm. Uh, they would say, well, Adam's part of the alumni. He should be a partner yeah, yeah, for that yeah. guy from uh, Beanley Tech or whatever, if we're in Queensland. <laughs> but, but in the comedy world, it's a level playing field because if you can do it, you can do it. And who gives a crap where yeah, you come it. from? It's like being a chef. If you can cook a cake, you can cook a cake. It doesn't matter where you come from. That's yeah. the thing about comedy. It doesn't matter where you come from, You know what your background is. If you can make people laugh. That's, that's
0: exactly right. Although there's kind of a, a strange... Uh, I think what I'm noticing statistically that there are a lot of AFL players coming from private schools these days. Yes.
1: that's a. have read that article and that is great. And that is, yeah. uh, you know,
0: I'm a recent AFL convert at 56. I'm Never sorry, too late.
1: Uh, being a Geelongs fan. Okay. Never too late. And um, that's, the, I mean, just, I mean, I'm no expert, but I read the same article. It's because they offer scholarships gotcha. to the players.
0: Yes. You yes. know what
1: I mean? They offer scholarships to, you know, the Aboriginal players. Like, say... Yeah. You look at some of the Aboriginal players, and you look at their school. And they're like, they went to Melbourne Grammar. You're like, what? Yeah. Well, of course they got a scholarship. You know, what I mean, Scotch College has a Rioli, program. Scotch? Yeah. 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 So you know, these guys aren't living in Malden.
0: No, no, no. They come down from Top End. Yeah, exactly. Um, question seven is: Which word or phrase do you most overuse? Uh, apparently, "let's go" is
1: the one that my <laughs> wife and kids hate. "Let's go!" Come on, "let's go." Whereas you are meant to say, "Are you ready?" Um oh. I also I also yeah so I'm impatient when it comes to getting out of the house. Um uh, I also that's I say that's life a bit. I've turned into Darren Hinch. Yeah. Remember he used to have that as his
0: that's yeah, life. yeah. That's life on Darren Hinch.
1: Yeah, so I do, I do and also time will tell is a big one I say all the time. Because you know, when we talk about uh whether it's a football team or a TV show, and oh will this be successful? I'm working on this thing, will it happen?
0: Time will tell because time is that's true. Time uh, will time tell. Time will tell, and that's life. Never, never are uh, truer statements to come out of someone's mm. mouth. Mm. Um, I mean, they're not
1: very inspiring, are they? But
0: uh, well, <laughs> it means you've been around the block a few times. You go, that's life. You it know, is what it is. It is, it what, is what it is. is. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: They're, they're more the sayings I bandy around the house.
0: <laughs> what about on, sta- on stage? Do you say anything? You know, do you? Is- is there a kind of a, a I wish refrain? I did. Yeah. I
1: wish I did because you know people like Husey have like have catchphrases and they're great to have while you're trying to think of what your next bit is. Yeah. So when he says you're a really great crowd, yeah, really great crowd, that's him trying to think of what's coming up next. <laughs> um, so I've got to come up with some, um, instead of like. Oh, you know. So what else is what else is going on? What else is funny? Yeah, you
0: know, yeah. That's,
1: that, that, that's awkward. You want you want to come up with some? But I've got to um, I've got to come up with some. I'm, I'm sure I do say them, but I can't remember.
0: Often I often have to be on stage just when I start saying them. You know, like someone once told me I say exactly a lot. Oh, exactly. exactly, exactly.
1: Ah, that's a good story. That's all right though. You, exactly. you say exactly a lot.
0: Um, question eight. How do you remain calm under pressure, Dave? Oh, I don't. I don't panic very much and I do think it's just the
1: old fashioned breathe and think, uh, will this matter in five years? Will it matter in six months? You know,
0: Mm. Uh, uh,
1: you know, when I feel pressure uh, uh, technology because I've been in lockdown and we've been doing these zoom gigs, uh, you know, for example, if I got on this link with you and it didn't work, then I would feel pressure Mm. and I've been in situations where people have been ringing me going, why aren't you on the link? And I'm sure people in other jobs feel this pressure too. I remember we had to do this Zoom gig, me, Glenn Robbins and Des Dell in the great man Des for um, a golf club. And the guy's like, oh, can you, can you run the Zoom thing? My, I can only get three people on my Zoom. I'm like, well, what's going on there for a start? <laughs> I said, yeah, don't worry, I'll set it up. And so I had to sign up to Zoom. I had to, I had to ring this guy, Milan, who was a Zoom expert. I'm getting a tutor. I watched a YouTube video. But even on the day of the gig, I woke up early just sweating, thinking, oh, I've got to run the technology tonight. Oh, wow. Because even, even then, because uh, I had to have three people on the screen at the same time. Now, for anyone who knows technology, this is a very easy thing to do. But for three old guys, so we get on at, like, say, 20 to 8, the gig's at 8. I'm sitting there sweating. Glenn comes up, but I can't hear him. I'm ringing him on the mobile. But you've got to hit this button, and then and then I'm ringing my alarm. This expert, and he's like, "Look, look, you're you've got to you go to this thing, hit this thing, blah blah blah." Dez is on there. It's not. Eventually, we get it working, but I didn't realize everyone was watching because they could just get on early, and you know, and oh we were my all just God. <laughs> so people start putting up comments. I love the pre-show. <laughs> old, old guys doing tech. This is hilarious. Uh... So i i that's the only time ever in my um comedy career do i feel pressure when it's something technical or something in something like that i feel stressed about it for some reason
0: so do i and it's it, oh. it, it's it, the podcast has really brought it out in me and I, i'm actually a little bit better than i was but i remember once interviewing kevin rudd and there'd been difficulties for a For a podcast, and for some reason that freaked me out. It's like because prime ministers or former prime ministers like parents, you know. It's like, but um... also you can't ring if this didn't work out. You could ring me back and say it didn't work. Can we do it again? I go sure. Yeah, you
1: can't do that to Kevin Rudd. No,
0: no, no. It's like (laughs) it takes so long to set those interviews up. Exactly. Um, Dave, career high and career low.
1: Oh boy. Well, um, career high. Well, let's go career low first. Yes. Probably breaking my leg in a BMX stunt while I was on Vega FM. So as someone pointed out, I jumped Dicko on a BMX outside the front of Vega and Nova. And Vega is a radio station that was set up by Nova, which is now Smooth FM for people wondering. And it wasn't a successful radio station. And they just turned into a music format. And in the dying days, I broke my leg. You broke uh, your leg for, for entertainment. For And as someone said, you're on radio. People couldn't even see you. So it wasn't <laughs> as if they were crossing to me live for a live stunt. They could have just been sound effects. Who gave a shit? But anyway, I broke my leg and ended up in hospital for a few weeks. and Then ended up at home as an invalid with a broken leg. So that, and then got sacked pretty soon after that. So um, how did you get what, sacked? What, what happens when you get sacked from radio? Oh, it's hilarious. So we, I, I returned, I was still on crutches. I returned to the studio. By that stage, Chrissy had gone. They got rid of her, the best person on the show.
0: Chrissy Swan. Swan.
1: It was just me and Dicko. And um, we finished the show and the manager goes, oh, can I talk to you for a minute?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I go in the office and she's crying. I'm like, oh my God, someone's died. I'm like, what are you going to tell me? Is someone, is everything all right at home? She's like, oh no, we're finishing up your show. You just had your last show on air. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, and this was in July or something like that. I said, do I still get paid at the end of the year? She goes, oh yeah, and I go, oh great. All right. <laughs>
0: And, Cause your, cause and you you got to, your crutches and you, and you hobbled
1: out. Yeah, I got, I got to hobble out. I, got, I had one crutch, I think. I hobble out my crutch. So that's what happens in radio. That it, They make the mistake sometimes of saying to people, you've got two weeks left on air, and then they just get on a really angry and bitter and people are ringing up. Why are you getting sacked? You know, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. You're better off just, it's better just to, just to cut. Yeah, up, yeah, I yeah. Think. But it does confuse people. People go, what happened? To, you were on radio one day and you weren't. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened. So that
1: was definitely a low time. Just physically being sick is not good. No, you know? so did the break hurt? The break not hurt? at
0: the time. No, but okay. when I got to hospital. It started hurting.
1: It started hurting. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah um, yeah, so you yeah. you had a broken, you were recovering from a broken leg and you got sacked. Well, that's that's pretty that's a good career low. Um that's a low career high. Oh, I don't know. I,
1: I, I saw Mum today in the nursing home and she was talking about spics and specs. So I suppose Spicks and Specs, because yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I was on it 62 times, and it was so great when they bought I mean, the great thing about Spicks and Specs is they repeat it every night. Yeah. So Monday to Friday, ABC2, and it still rates quite well, and it's good for me because you go and do, like, country gigs, uh, anyone over 50, they all love Spicks and Specs, and it still stands up to this day. And it was great they bought it back, and we filmed during the height of lockdown, and it was great just to go and do something, some, you know, comedy during lockdown, even though you had to get a permit and go through a police check on the way home, which is hilarious. I got pulled over and stuff. Um, but it was just good fun. And, you know, the good, uh, you know, as you know, I love music. Yes. So, yeah, it would be perfect for you. Oh, I got to meet some of my heroes, you know, like Peter Garrett, you know, yeah. Steve be from the church. you oh know, my Jarvis. God. I did a show with Jarvis Cocker from Pulp. Wow. I love Pulp, the British. Uh, yeah. Pop and yeah. so... Um, it was, it was great, and uh, yeah, I was so excited when they brought it back, but also more excited that they included me. So, because uh, <laughs> you know, the thing is when they bring some of these shows back, they just get rid of a few of the older people. They just do a bit of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: we
1: uh, will get rid of that. Their... But um, it was good. They had a bit of a, a mix on there, and it was just um, – it's been a good, fun show to do, that's for sure. And it pays, plays right to my <laughs> strengths, music – and comedy. That, yeah, that's
0: it. right. You, you, it's interesting, isn't it? How you know your strengths after a while. Mm. You, it's like um, I, I watch a lot of AFL football, but I can never talk about it. But I, thats but, interesting. But you know, never talk about it professionally. You know what I mean? I can talk about it with you. Mm. But um, cricket, I can talk about professionally. It's just a slight difference. It's just a very fine line between oh, yeah. okay, you're a fan to being someone who can. I'm not saying I, I'm Gideon Hague, but I I I can actually talk to Gideon Hague. I could ask him intelligent questions.
1: Yeah, you're on the same level as him. Where if I talk to him about cricket, it'd be like a year eight
0: person talking to him and a professor. I'm not up not, not his level. I'm just both, uh, I'm But you're, you're doing you're doing honors. You're doing yeah, honors. Doing right? honors. You're yeah, doing honors. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Um, Dave, do you have a motto? Final question: Do you have a motto?
1: Do I have a motto. Oh wow! That's a really good question. I haven't thought about this at all. What is my motto? I think maybe it is what it is. Look, it is what it
0: is. You just got to <laughs> deal with it.
1: I think that's You just got to deal with it. I think, that's I think right. That's you do
0: say it is what it is. You just got to deal with you it. That, deal with you, it. You, those yeah. two things have got to be connected. Yeah. It
1: is what it is. You just
0: got to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you're doing a great job of dealing with it. Thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe our iTunes or your podcast app. And leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adamsoir. So until next time, thanks for joining us.